Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? It's me, Egbert, once again. I'm the new owner of this station. I went out and hired the best talk radio consultant, Jeff Allen from News Talk STL, and told him to hire the worst talent he could find. Jeff did exactly as I told him. Ladies and gentlemen, here are Brad and John. We're the worst, John. We're the worst. Okay, John, you're going to be blown away when I tell you who I have on the phone here, okay? Now, let's, hold on, let me see if this is going to work okay. I'm going to put this up, and I'm going to say, Mr. Mystery Guest on the phone, can you hear me okay? I can hear you just great. Thanks for having me. And do you know who this is, John? Oh, yeah, that is Senator Steve Ellman. No, it's not. Wait, no, it's Senator Chuck Gross. No, it's not Senator. Senator Tom Dempsey. No, it's Bill. Senator Sarah Steele. No, it's Bill Igel. Bill Igel. <laughs> Senator, great to have you on. Okay, Bill, first off, okay, before we get into the meat of, of our interview here, can I clear mm-hmm. the air with you? <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, do you know, see... I've told the story that you're still mad at me, an event that happened, what, three years ago? Do you know what I'm talking about? I I actually heard you tell the story on the air, uh, I guess it was several weeks ago. So I have heard this story. And ironically, you know, this event was the last time I was actually doing a fundraiser with Governor Parsons. I know. You don't see that happening anymore. <laughs> well, but see, here, here, there's part of the story that may, I may not have told. And here, long story made short. You know Cindy Cristinelli, right? Mm-hmm. I do. Oh, okay. She called me up one day and she says, hey, I've got an extra ticket to the Bill Eigel fundraiser. Would you like to go? And she says, my son and I are going because her son's a state rep. And, uh, you know, would you like to go? And I said, fine. She says, I'll be there early. When you get there, just call me and I'll come out and give you the ticket. I'll say, okay, fine. I get there. I call and she's not there. And she says, I'm running late. Just go ahead on in. Nobody will say anything. I go in, walk in the front door get myself a Diet Coke, and I'm maybe in there two minutes, and a lady comes and literally grabs me by the arm and says, you don't have a ticket, do you? And I go, I don't. Uh, Cindy Chris Finelli's on the way. She says, I don't care. You don't have a ticket. You're leaving. And she walked me out the door, okay? So the, the, story, the story gets even better in the respect that, I don't know if you know this or not, but... Cindy then, like a couple weeks later, calls me and is laughing about the whole situation because after I got booted out of your fundraiser, there were some abortion protesters outside because, you're right, Governor Parson was there, and I was over-talking to the abortion protesters because, you know what, I got this journalism degree and I want to talk to them and I'm not wild about their viewpoints, but they're pro-abortion and they were making some noise and things like that. She said that because of me going over and talking to them, the security detail of the uh, the governor wanted to know who I was, and they were investigating me. <laughs> so that's what? that that's what that, she, that's what she told me. I I had no idea any of this excitement happened until I heard you telling this story on the radio. <laughs> right. So I'm going I had like no idea there was all this excitement. And and the crazy part of it is, you and I have this background and. I, somebody asked me about this other day because they heard me tell the story that you and I had, you used to run a company called St. Louis Skylights, correct? 
Yeah. You yes. and you and your wife, yes. very successful business, and you advertised on this very radio station a long time ago. That's been probably yes. what fifteen years ago, something like that. Well, it was. So we sold the business uh, back in twenty sixteen. So the when I think of my time in the Skylight Company, I didn't have any gray hair yet at that point. You know, I got all my gray hair in politics. So uh, I think of those days fondly. <laughs> well, I mean, but but wasn't that? I want to say that you originally you were with me for several years. I want to say maybe we started doing business with you like maybe two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Would that sound about yep. right? Yeah, we because we bought the business. We got out of the Air Force in two thousand and seven. Bought the business, which was. You know, our timing was terrible because it was right at the beginning of the Great Recession there in 2007, 2008. We dumped our entire life savings into this, uh, into the the remodeling company, the Skylight Company. Uh, in a little, you know, I, I'm actually, I don't, I'm not real thrilled about heights, which is ironic that I owned a Skylight Company. I was crawling up on the roofs every single day. Uh, but yeah, we bought that in 2007 and then um, uh, ran the business. We're very fortunate uh, through, you know, through all those years, 08, 09, and then, uh, Ended up selling it in 2016. Yeah, and, that, good. and and when you ran for Senate the first time, you did advertising with us, and we appreciate that. And uh, you know, yeah. I, it, in fact, when we did advertising for my very first Senate run, uh, um, Amanda, my wife Amanda, actually recorded a couple of the commercials uh, at your station because you had your office is up there on. Uh, uh, Mid Rivers Mall. Mid Rivers Mall Drive. Yeah, exactly. That's right. where our old office was. Right. You came in, and, yep. and, and once again, I will say this to you loud and proud. Thank you for your service. You and your wife were both in the Air Force, correct? They, yep, we were. And we were. How long, we were. How long were you in? Uh, I, I, had, I served eight years. Amanda served six years. And, uh, you know, I, I think of those days fondly because I, I not only had no gray hair in those days, uh, I was very, I was slimmer. <laughs> slimmer, much more younger and spry. Uh, so, yes, I, I think of those fondly. Our last assignment was at Whiteman Air Force Base outside of Kansas City. So uh, another fun fact about Amanda and I is that at one time or another, we were both aircraft maintenance officers, but at one time or another, uh, every single B-2 stealth bomber in the entire American inventory was managed for maintenance by either my wife and I. Really? Every single one. So, so fun fact. And, and and the Whiteman has, that's the only place in the world that has the B-2s, correct? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, one. interesting. So, now, and, and the interesting, at one point in time, you were overseas. Weren't you deployed overseas several times? I was. Uh, so, this was back in 2004. See, we're getting into my young years now. This, yeah. is, uh, this is great for me. Uh, in 2004, I deployed overseas uh, in support of Operation Enduring Freedom, and... Uh, we, I was in charge of a small refuel outfit in the former Soviet country of Turkmenistan. Really? And we were in charge of, yeah, we were in charge of refueling uh, the C-17s that were returning from Afghanistan and Iraq on their way back to Europe. And it was a very, it was a very unique experience because the entire country, there were only maybe two dozen uh, Americans in the whole country. And that included the embassy staff and the American ambassador. So I was in charge of a ten-person refuel team, and uh, we were we were very independent and out on our own out there refueling these C-17s. So mm -hmm. that was uh, that was an interesting experience. But you know, it was actually that experience in that former Soviet country that was run by a dictator uh, who styled himself the Turkmenbasi. He was a lifetime dictator, dictator former uh, co Communist Party chairman of the province of Turkmenistan under the Soviet Union. 
uh, it, you know, I got a real good up and close vision of what big government looks like uh, when it really does dip into tyranny. And that helped form a lot of my opinions about government, the role of government. Uh, at that point, of course, I had no idea I was ever going to be in politics, but uh, it was uh, it was it was definitely in, important in my formative years. Fascinating. Now, I, I'm just going to say something before I I'll ask you some more questions about some current stuff. And I appreciate the background because I think that I, I find it interesting. And we talked about this, uh, John and I, one year earlier talking about the mayor of Chicago is complaining that he can't go down to the border because he's got a wife and kids. OK, you as a a, a military person were deployed overseas. How long was the longest time you were away from the United States? Uh, I think the deployment schedule, I think it was six months. So we, I, re- I remember in that employment I, or deployment, I left right after Christmas. And I think I came back a little bit before the 4th of July. So there, I think it was about a six-month deployment. So, so you were out of the country for six months, and the mayor of Chicago can't spend a day to go down to the border. I mean, is there something wrong with that or what? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because, see, and, and here's the other interesting thing, and I hope you appreciate this. My father was, uh, was a 40-year Army guy. Matter of fact, uh, fought in World War II, three Bronze Stars, then spent uh, four years mm-hmm. active duty, 36 years reserved, retired when he was 62 as a captain. And I've said mm-hmm. this before, the jobs I've had started out in food service, then I was a police dispatcher, then I've been in the radio business. There are people working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all over the world who keep us safe, who keep us locally. Mm-hmm. The police are out there in the streets keeping, you know, the, the crime down, at least in some places. Uh, you know, the paramedics responding, uh, you know, obviously the servicemen like you. Uh, you didn't have like, uh, you know, if, if a plane came in to be refueled at 3 o'clock in the morning, you had to be there, correct? You didn't say, oh, I can't do that, That's right? That's right. So Anytime. I, we never knew. I appreciate that. <laughs> now, now for the fun stuff. Okay, first off. Do you ever get mad at the Post-Dispatch for running that same picture of you where you have sort of like the goofy look on your face where you're sitting in the Senate <laughs> chambers? You know, you know what I'm saying? That was, that was uh, so, yeah, I, I know which picture you're talking about. You know, that's a, it's, it, this, is the, uh, this is what it's like to be a public official, right? You're always being watched. You never know when you're going to get caught in what, what appears to be an awkward uh, moment. I think that was taken on the very last day of session, and... Uh, they they just kind of caught me when I was joking around with one of my colleagues. Uh, you know, I, I have kind of this public persona that uh, in the Senate chamber I'm uh, I'm a guy that's kind of stern and never laughs or smiles, but uh, that of course is not true. So yeah, you know they uh, they they I, I'm I you know what I I don't really uh, get too excited about the Post Dispatch. They had an article late last week uh, that talked about how they don't think I'm making friends down in uh, Jefferson City, which is great for me because I'm not trying to make friends down in Jefferson City because a lot of the folks in Jefferson City are doing things that uh, are harming this state. So, you know, I don't get too excited with those guys. They're, uh, they, they got a job to do. They're, they're fine. <laughs> well, and see, that's the interesting thing. You've become some of a lightning rod because of the fact that you being what it used to be called, what, the conservative, it, now it's the Freedom Caucus. It used to be what, the Conservative mm-hmm. Caucus? Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Used to be the conservative caucus, and then we rebranded this year into the Freedom Caucus. So right. it's, been a, it's been a great transition. Right. And essentially, you're getting grief because of the fact that you're being portrayed as the guy who's just, you know, gumming up the works. In other words, government is moving forward, and you're the guy that keeps going, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, some of the, a, a part of that is very true, <laughs> because because what government wants to do uh, is get bigger. What government wants to do is waste more of our money. What government wants to do, in particular, a lot of the leadership down in Jefferson City, they are pushing the chambers and pushing 
uh, the time that we have to to spend it on issues that uh, we weren't sent down there to do from the people that elected us. Uh, I think there's a you guys know I've been traveling the the state, uh, driving all over the state for the past two years now, and I have met a lot of Republicans who are very frustrated. There there is a very clear and defined sense that. We're not doing the big red Republican things that we see happening in other states, other states, Florida, Texas. You know, they're cutting taxes. They're getting they're pushing back on the Biden administration. They're getting away from uh, reliance on the federal government. We're not doing those things. And so when we have an opportunity to do a big red uh, Republican thing, uh, the, the, the minority, whether it's the Freedom Caucus or a few others down in the Missouri Senate or the Missouri House, have to really put a lot of pressure on leadership. And we do that by slowing things up because. Uh, they value, they being leadership and some of our other colleagues, value what I call the sludge bills that uh, are really special interest bills that don't really push the state forward. And when they feel like those those bills are going to be lost or get derailed, they get nervous. Uh, they they, <laughs> they get pretty uncomfortable. So I've, I've kind of taken it upon myself and a few others to uh, be the, the, the group that makes the establishment uncomfortable, that makes the status quo uncomfortable. And uh, that has resulted in the movement of the initiative petition reform bill, which we've been talking about for the past year and a half, has now moved in the since the two Thursdays ago, has moved faster in the past two weeks because of our efforts than any major Republican priority has ever moved in a, in a regular session of the legislature. So uh, sometimes it's not always pretty, but uh, so far so good. We're producing some results on that big priority. Well, one of the things that shocked me, I guess it was about a year or so ago, uh, you know who Richard West is, the, the former mayor of New oh, Mali yeah. and one of the state reps. Um, we yeah. did, I love uh, Richard. Uh, we did a lunch in legislators with the O'Fallon Chamber, and you've done those before where you go and you sit and you talk about, you know, it's, it's a luncheon event and you talk about things. He mentioned something, and you can probably give me the exact figures on this, but when he said that the budget for the state of Missouri doubled in like, was it six years or something like that? Yeah. Was, yep. it, was it six years that it doubled? Yeah, it, it's crazy. In fact, so the first year that I came into the Senate, which was 2017, the budget was $27 billion. Today, the budget is $52 billion. Holy so, cow. You know, uh, so, Brad, you know, I'm, I'm running around saying, hey, I want to get rid of personal property tax. One of the major planks in my uh, candidacy for governor, I want to get rid of personal property tax. And I, the first question I always get is, oh, well, how are you going to pay for it, right? How, what are we going to replace it with? And, and I'm, a, I'm here over here thinking uh, the value of every personal property tax bill on every citizen in every county of the state is about $1.7 billion. Well, we increased state spending to the tune of $27 billion just over the past seven years. So we've got plenty of money. In fact, just the growth in our general revenues, our general revenues coming into Jefferson City from the people of the state, not even the federal government, just that growth was $2 billion last year. So we, we have more than enough money to be able to get rid of a bad tax like personal property tax and still make sure that local areas are made whole on that but we haven't done that because we're wasting that money in the state budget on all sorts of boondoggle projects that if you if you go through the list nobody almost nobody in Missouri thinks these are a good idea for example we've got a we paid 30 million dollars for a meat laboratory in Missouri that's going to make synthetic meat i mean and this is going to compete i guess with our cattle ranchers in this state we spent uh, 50 million dollars on uh, the FIFA soccer tournament over in Kansas City i guess so that they can have a party when the FIFA soccer tournament comes to town. We spent another $50 million on stadium upgrades around the state. So the women's soccer team got a new parking lot over in Kansas City. And these are the kind of just wasteful projects that we're doing. And, we're, and when we're doing those, we're not cutting personal property tax. So 
you're absolutely right. The budget is is out of control. Mike Parson, Mike Parson has grown the budget more in his six years of being the governor than all the Democratic governors combined going back to the founding of the state. That's how out of control our finances are. So uh, we've got to have a fiscal conservative in there. And I'm the only one. Kehoe uh, would continue the Parson uh, budgeting and, and tax and spend policies. Ashcroft is not going to take on status quo. I am the only one that's made a commitment that we're going to bring that budget down and we're going to funnel the savings as a result of getting rid of all the waste and cutting personal property taxes and income taxes. But you know what, uh, Bill, I, this is Bill Igle we're talking with. Uh, I went to, this has probably been a couple years ago, I went to an event where there were several of the Westplex mayors there, mayor of St. Peter's, mayor of uh, uh, St. Charles. You're not very well respected with them because of the personal property tax thing. Matter of fact, <laughs> Len Pagano is not your buddy. Get what I'm saying? Well, <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, I know. Whenever I talk about getting rid of a tax, uh, the, the only people that are opposing uh, my plan to get rid of personal property tax are the local government entities that are terrified of ever losing a, a revenue uh, stream of some sort. You know, And I understand that whenever, whenever I have proposed gov- tax, or tax cuts, government has not been in support. So that's going to continue to be the case. In fact, I remember a, a meeting I had with Len Pagano, uh, and, and it was a meeting with some of the St. Charles County uh, elected local leadership where they were expressing concern about this plan I had to cut personal property taxes. And uh, I remember Len speaking up at that meeting and expressing his concern uh, about whether or not uh, uh, this would be a good idea. And I remember him saying, he said, you know, in this room, and there were about 20, 20 plus local leaders, you know, uh, I think the mayors of some of the other cities there, I'm not going to name them right now, but there were mayors of the other city, city council members. Len says, you know, look around this room right now, Senator. Nobody in this room is looking for a cut to personal property tax. And I remember saying to him, I said, Len, you're exactly right. I understand that nobody in this room, all of whom come from government, is looking for this tax cut. But if we could fit every single one of the 400,000 plus people of St. Charles into this room, I'm, I'm willing to bet that you would find yourself woefully outnumbered on this issue. <laughs> well, and quite frankly, he didn't have an answer to that. Well, so, and, and uh, the, the the reality is, we got to do, we got to get rid of that because it's good for the state. And most states have already gotten rid of personal property tax on vehicles. Yeah, I know it's sort of crazy when you think about it. You get taxed for owning something. You know what I mean? It's to the point where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, now hold on a minute now. <laughs> Bill Eigel, mm-hmm. you know, you've spent t- uh, uh, twenty minutes with us. I do appreciate it. Uh, so the 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 air is cleared between you and I now. Uh, I didn't know that there was anything in here, so uh, I, I, it was clear for me before, and it's still clear now. I'm, gl- I'm glad, thankful for the opportunity to come on and chat a little bit. Well, you know, I will. I, I did have a real problem when you went to work for Tracy. That was my that was my big issue. You know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> that was good time i had a good time doing that because you know i like to talk you know so anytime i can uh i'm getting on the radio and i'm talking i'm I'm a happy camper so that's good (laughs) i would have never guessed that if you wouldn't told me bill eigel if uh, people want to find out more information about you running for governor what's the best way they can find out uh, go to my website, BillEigel.com. Uh, check it out. We've had 35,000, 40,000 people sign up on that website over the past year. Uh, there's a lot of interest in all of my platform items, which is listed on the website. You can sign up to volunteer. You can even sign up to make a small donation if you like the message. So check it out, BillEigel.com. And if you show up at your fundraiser, you better have a ticket, right? I've never heard of that before, but uh, we're, we welcome everybody. You don't even need a ticket next time. How about that? <laughs> Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs> okay. John, what do you think? 
That was great. <laughs> you know, that's interesting because when you get to know him, he's a really nice guy. You know what I mean? Hey, and, and by the way, I'm getting a feed. Okay, I, I was getting some feedback and it was cut off there. I think the next the next journey, Brad, is for you to have the same type of conversation with Nick Schroer. Because you assumed that you had some kind of heat with Bill Eigel and you saw that you didn't really have heat. Well, but so what about Nick Schroer? Well, but he won't even talk to me. I mean, I've well, been in see, events. Well, you would have you thought that Bill remembered there were months when I met you. You said Bill Eigel wouldn't talk to you. In hey. 2021, you told me Bill Eigel wouldn't talk hey. to you. Hey. And now Bill Eigel and you are pals again. Hold. I bet the same thing can happen with Nick Schroer. Okay, hold on. We'll have, this is an interesting show. We'll have, I'm snorting. Okay, we got to take a break because we're running along. But <laughs> I'm going to make a phone call and I'm going to have a witness as to my previous Bill Eigel situation, okay? Okay, I'm here. <laughs> and you're never going to believe who my witness is. <laughs> I know who it is. <laughs> who my witness is. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break. Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? <laughs> 